It's been described as the single biggest threat to the demolition industry. An amalgamation of academics, environmentalists, politicians, architects and the national media attempting to slow, block and even ban demolition to protect the so-called embodied carbon locked within the world's building stock. It's a campaign that is gathering traction and gaining momentum. Yet, even as the demolition sector finds itself in the crosshairs, the industry is failing to respond. It's failing to address the rising tide of anti-demolition feeling. It's failing to fully explain the key role that demolition plays in the development of infrastructure, housing and the built environment. It is failing to highlight demolition's role at the very heart of the circular economy. And it is failing to explain that the demolition industry recycles, reuses and repurposes what many perceive as a waste to provide the construction industry vital materials, recycling at a rate that puts other industries to shame. As all of this unfolds, we will monitor and chart the current and future impact of the embodied carbon lobby upon the demolition sector. We will attempt to stay abreast of the construction projects held in planning or stopped entirely due to embodied carbon concerns. And we will try to explain precisely why an increasing number of high profile and influential people believe, wrongly, that embodied carbon can only be preserved by a moratorium upon demolition. And we're going to start right now with an exploration of what exactly embodied carbon really is. So what is embodied carbon? Good question. Embodied carbon is the CO2 emissions associated with materials and construction processes throughout the whole life cycle of a building or some form of infrastructure. It includes any CO2 created during the manufacturing of building materials, including material extraction, transport to the manufacturer, manufacturing, the transport of those materials to the job site and the construction practices used. Put simply, embodied carbon is the carbon footprint of a building or infrastructure project before it becomes operational. Embodied carbon also refers to the CO2 produced maintaining the building and eventually demolishing it, transporting the waste and recycling the materials that arise from that project. In other words, environmentalists believe that all the carbon emissions expended during the construction of a structure will be wasted if that structure is then demolished. So why is embodied carbon such a focus right now? Estimates suggest that the world's building stock is expected to double by 2060. That is the equivalent of adding an entire New York City to the planet every month for the next 40 years. Good news for developers and concrete producers, bad news for the climate. Cement, the ingredient that gives concrete its strength, is also one of the largest emitters of CO2 in the built environment. As concrete is the most abundant human-made material in the world, cement production creates around 7% of the world's CO2 emissions and is the largest contributor to embodied carbon in the built environment. To address embodied carbon, a number of organisations including Architecture 2030, Structural Engineers 2050 Challenge, the Carbon Leadership Forum and the World Green Building Council have jointly taken on a mission to eliminate embodied carbon from buildings by the year 2050. Thus far, the demolition industry has met this growing wave of anti-demolition sentiment with inaction and a deafening silence. Can we reduce embodied carbon? Another good question. And yes, there are several ways to reduce embodied carbon, 
Interestingly, only one of those ways involves any direct contribution from the demolition sector, and it's already an area in which the industry excels, recycling. Recycling and reusing materials can significantly reduce embodied carbon by reducing the need for new raw materials and the energy required to process them. You will note that other methods for reducing embodied carbon do not directly involve the demolition process, that they occur further up the supply chain, and that they are actually the responsibility of the very people attempting to blame demolition for the embodied carbon issue in the first place. 1. Selecting materials with lower embodied carbon. Some materials, such as concrete, steel, and aluminium, have high embodied carbon due to the energy-intensive processes involved in their production. Alternatives with lower embodied carbon, such as wood, bamboo, and recycled materials, can be used to reduce the overall carbon footprint of a product or structure. 2. Improving the efficiency of production processes. By optimizing production processes and using more efficient technologies, it is possible to reduce the energy consumption and greenhouse gas emissions associated with the production of a product or material. 3. Designing for durability and reuse. Designing products and buildings that are durable and that can be easily repaired, reused, or recycled can help to extend their lifespan and reduce embodied carbon. 4. Offsetting embodied carbon. In some cases, it may be necessary to offset embodied carbon by investing in projects that reduce greenhouse gas emissions, such as renewable energy or carbon capture and storage projects. In the next episode of Demolition's Greatest Threat, we will discuss in greater depth why some of those pointing accusing fingers at demolition are themselves committing crimes against the climate on an ongoing basis. <laughs>